0: June 3rd, it is LA Podcast. I'm Scott Frazier. I'm here with Alyssa Walker and Hayes Davenport. We are really just heated about, I mean, the weather outside is cold, but the state legislature.
1: But the gloom is is here. Is the gloom on. has settled. Gener- generating Our future. Up and down the state. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, so this was a uh, a massive week for housing. Of course, before we get into everything that happened, uh, this is going to be a very housing centric episode. Uh, let's see if we have any LA stories to share. Hayes, you got one?
2: I do have one. You guys see my new library card? Yeah, it's sweet. I Did I'm you well- see it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I did see it.
2: It owns three dollars. That's a steal. I, I said to the uh librarian, I was like, worth it, which said, I'm picking She's your like, pocket right or okay, whatever. <laughs> um, and the new library cards got me thinking about Metro cards, I really don't like. My Metro card, which is just blue with little hills. But they have other ones. And a now. red dot and a yellow dot, they but have they so don't many. have that many. And none of them are like that cool. They've, they've I would uh, say.
1: The Pride one is really cool. The Pride
2: one is pretty cool. It's very simply designed. The, the best one, I think, is there's one for palms. There's one for yeah, like, a, right. like a Palms neighborhood. Like I one. got
1: one for going to the Minus NACTO the conference. Oh, that's yeah, cool. that's that's like a throwback. That's to the like, old pr- yeah. Pride one. Yeah, I got I got one. They made custom ones for the NACTO convention, the National Association of City Transportation Officials convention that was here last year. We had a yeah, customized one. You're, you're getting one. no help See, on that, that acronym right. here. But that
2: just shows it's, it's how rare. easy it is for them to make.
1: Yeah, new it's a cars. Item. Mm-hmm.
2: There should be one for every neighborhood where you can choose one that
0: like. Re- what was represent- the Palms
1: one for? How did they decide to make I one for Palms? I have an the, old the, Ciclavia like, one that's one. pretty gorgeous. Was it from
0: when the expo line opened?
1: Maybe. Um
0: Yeah. So my favorite tap card that I ever had was for the 75th anniversary of Union Station. It was really cool. I <gasps> that actually, was that was, I did sort of the same thing as you, Hayes. I saw it online and then I was like, I have to go get that. Where do you
1: go get that? Where, where are they? This is what being sometimes a Sometimes they give is. them out at events, <laughs> but like, do they give them out at like... Is, are they always at Union Station? No, at the you one you go to your counter? local
0: Supreme or Undefeated? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you line up. Must cop. <laughs> I, I mean, I have had people email me because I like tweeted a picture of the Nacto one mm-hmm. and asked if they could have it or if I had an extra one. So some people are out there collecting them all for mm. sure. Oh. Because that's the one that you could have only gotten if you had gone to that convention.
0: The all-time collection, I believe, belongs to uh, Kenny Oung. Yes, on, I think it does. <laughs> <laughs> does.
1: Okay. I, 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 I'm Kenny. not sure. He might not have gotten
2: the NACTO one. I remember him last maybe, year. Maybe
1: he, he was going through a dealer to try to get this one from me.
2: Yeah. This is Transit Maven. And I believe like incoming sophomore at Northridge, Kenny Ong, who listens to this show. Yeah, Kenny uh, Ong sometimes does. We definitely do. He knows more about he knows everything. transit than any of us. And just to explain the library card, this is. Uh, I was flexing on Twitter about it. Uh, It is a design by an artist named Gaijin Fujita from East LA. It is so cool. I don't know. There's a limited supply. I don't know how many they have left.
1: And this is the first one they've done that is oh no didn't Shepard Fairy do a cool library card last year? Okay so maybe it's like an annual thing. But anyway I was then
2: complaining about the Metro cards and I got a This was the first time I've ever felt bad about anything I've said on this show or online or anything i got a reply from john gordon who is like a director of marketing Design, strategy yeah. for metro and i was like oh don't you i don't want you to see this to be complaining that my metro <laughs> a but he was very nice hey. and he said look out because some new metro art designs are coming to spice up your wallet <laughs> okay that
1: sounds like and that
2: got me really yeah. excited also a metro card thing that i heard about chef kevin our producer on uh, my other show hollywood handbook yeah recently refreshed his metro card online added more value to it and they told him in order for it to register he had to go to a machine Mm -hmm. and like tap it at at a subway station for the new money to appear on his card yeah so why? That's, Why do the online? I've done
1: it online before. I, um, I think you just have to I, you use definitely it.
2: Used to be able to, but like he, oh, was it a new thing? But he tried to use it on a bus
0: and couldn't. You have to. Oh, it's I've it, never to had
1: a problem doing that.
0: Tell him that you can now add money to it at the fare box on the bus. Yeah, on the How bus. How do you do that? You just the, give them the give driver, them like twenty bucks and you the driver just have, does it to you. Yeah, for they you. act
1: like a machine for you. Yeah,
0: the driver does. They're
1: it. not supposed to get accept cash anymore. Technically, they'll take your cash and put it on a tap card and give it to you. OK, even if you but like, they will
0: before they, they wouldn't do the that cash. at all. And now they and now they will yeah. allow you to do that. That's but I mean. yeah. the phone, email, whatever online situation has been trashed. As far as I'm concerned, I've tried to do it in the past. And it's like oh,
1: oh it's, a new it's thing. like
0: 48 hours or whatever that oh, it, takes you do, it,
1: it says it takes time, but it goes right away. But I, I haven't done it in a while. That's true. I just do it. Um, My, my employer puts it on there tax-free like we have an option wow. you should check with your employer if you have commuter benefits like if you get reimbursed mm-hmm. for parking or anything you can have them do it directly onto your yeah. top card which is pretty exciting
2: you definitely should scott hey, does your employee, yeah, yeah oh, okay. you get a yeah. pass yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. right but we want to hear something else just on that to blow your mind do you know that have you seen people use their phones to scan in and out of the turnstiles right. before no if you have a metro link transfer you can use the barcode from your MetroLink ticket to go ride wow. Metro. So that's the future. No more tap cards. Sorry.
2: I always thought they had one of those little phone case wallets and the car. <laughs> I have seen people use their phone yeah, against it, it but I back. thought that they were yeah. just beeping it. So the, it is the one, it. it's the one oh, awesome.
1: opportunity to be able to use the little like code thing. If you ever see people do it. You can it, also use that those on,
0: on a bus and the bus driver just looks at it and says, okay, you're good.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true. They have no way of really checking it. All uh, right.
0: Who else has an LA story? I do. I was actually traveling through the, the American heartland. Mm. As the hey, basket. Yeah, as Hayes noted, I, I am running uh, yeah. for president. Running. <laughs> um, I went to Iowa. I flew into Des Moines. It, it was interesting. I, th- I think the, the thing that was most striking to me about this part of the country that I'd never been in before was that Des Moines is the largest city in Iowa, uh, one of the widest states in the country. It's uh, a city of... 200,000 people. So that's like the size of Burbank or like the neighborhood of Hollywood, basically in LA, um, except very obviously like struggling through economic depression still. And
1: underwater right now.
0: There, there are a number of rivers throughout the uh, Midwest that are currently flooding and have been for a long time. So I was making an effort to try and learn about the like impacts of that. But it really, the, the striking thing for me coming from LA is just how lucky we are that we live in a region that people actually want to be in. Obviously, there are Do they though? Like there are there are definitely I, I think there are issues that come along with like surges in population. We're not really seeing that right now. We're kind of stagnant, but there are there are definitely issues that come along with economic success, but they are so much easier to mitigate than like the the issues that come along with economic decline population decline um and it was really striking to me to just like be in the uh, center of the capital city of Iowa the largest city of Iowa and just see like buildings being torn down and like not replaced with anything just like the the signs of deterioration very visible and just Mm -hmm. like kind of like not feeling like there was anybody around it was it was interesting
1: I mean I grew up there in Missouri technically so yeah in St. Louis so it is yeah huge parts of the downtown St. Louis were just knocked down and never replaced, mm-hmm. you know, with anything. And maybe now are starting to somewhat see some, you know, some people right. paying attention or investing more in those communities. It's like
0: hard to even like wrap your head around coming from like California, the the notion that like people would not immediately be just like throwing money at whoever owned that property. But right. yeah, it's weird.
2: There is connective tissue between Iowa and here for sure. um, We used to make fun of Garcetti when he would go there every three days and talk about how Iowa and LA are the same. But that state primarily, I think, seeded the population growth here where they sent everyone with tuberculosis uh, to recuperate in the nice weather. And when you go to the VA graveyard, mm-hmm. it's all Iowans, yep. like, the, like the older L.A. graves. It's all like born in Iowa, Missouri, like
0: uh, yeah. Illinois, the, uh, places like that called Long Beach, uh, Iowa by the sea for a long time. Yeah. Which is a fantastic nickname by any standard. <laughs> they arrange themselves
2: here in the way that they were used to back there. And we are still paying the <laughs> yes, price. <they> sure are. <laughs> Alyssa. What's I just have one yes.
1: story. I'm, I am uh, I was lucky enough to record the War on Cars podcast, Friends. That's are, great, on but the other coast. How, what?
2: what took them so long? Yeah. Oh, we've
1: been talking for a long time. I, so. I, I would hope I think so. the time just had to be right. <laughs> okay. And this, You'll see the time I think was right. So that'll be out in a few weeks and we'll remind everyone, but it was really exciting to be on that show with a lot of my heroes. But the funniest thing was I was trying to get to a place to record it and I was... In Beverly Hills, I was so close and it was the time that I needed to be at the, at the. it was like a, we work in Century City to be able to record it. And I'm sitting on a bus that's not moving because there's so much traffic. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, I'll just get out and get on a jump bike or a scooter. Well, as we know, yes. I didn't think this through as I got off the bus. And then I was standing there and I was like, we're, we're in a dead zone. There's nothing allowed. So I was like, okay, I'll walk to the edge of just to the Century City border Get on a bike and go like, you know, a half a mile, Mm -hmm. you know, But then leave
2: it in Beverly Hills. Well, no,
1: I was going to be, it was just, it was going to be a fully, you know, Century City, you know, trip, but it was just comical. I could not get this distance that was probably like three fourths of a mile. It took me like 25 minutes. Oh my God. And I could have just walked, except you can't walk and cross the streets in these places where it's like, you have to cross Wilshire and then Santa Monica and then the other way. And then there's no crosswalk and yeah. then there's no sidewalk. And then there's no, you know, so I'm doing this zigzag through this. The, you know, Basically trying to on, get a to the, on a highway, trying to get to like the corporate office towers where the blocks are so big that it looks like the building's there, but you're actually like still very far away. So I ended up getting the jump bike, like, you know, for a, like a 50 cent ride you know, those, <laughs> to uh, just get through Century City.
0: Those always make me feel like that part of town feels like, you know, those like promo shots that they would do for like The Walking Dead yes, where it was like you're walking into Atlanta yes. and they're just, there's no humanity there's no around. <laughs> and the and scale the is one just one so The one place alien. you cross,
1: the one place you have to go across on um the the, the triple Sa- there's little santa monica south santa monica right. north santa monica santa monica so there's the one place you'd go across you have to cross 12 lanes of traffic and it's two light cycles they don't even let you walk across in one chunk so you have to wait in the middle and then keep going so i was like i'm basically there but i have to wait for the light to change so i can cross three more lanes of traffic to get across the street and get to where I need to go. And it was hilarious.
0: By the way, Walking Dead would have been a good name for their podcast.
1: You can <laughs> that, could be, so. that could be the companion podcast. <laughs> you have the Warren Cars and the, and the Walking Dead. But excited that I was on it and happy to um to finally, you know, share my thoughts on the Warren Cars, which I've never talked about before uh-huh. ever.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like for you to come out of your shell like that. I, I really admire you. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about The May Massacre. Uh, Alyssa, you wrote uh, a lot about... Whenever Alyssa writes something on Curb and it says opinion at the top, I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. (laughs) (laughs) Gloves Uh, are off. You wrote a great uh, long piece about all the housing bills that we talked about last week that basically got decimated in our Democratic supermajority state legislature. What are some of the ones that got killed?
1: Well, I think... Let's back up one second because okay. I think one of the biggest
0: immediately heated.
1: I mean, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm I immediately I, I have an opinion <laughs> immediately.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: um it it was just so I mean, that la- the last few hours of the day, we knew at cer- a certain point like nothing else was going to be to be going through. There was like a certain point where it was like the right. end of the session or whatever you're talking
0: about on on friday may 31st yeah
1: where we just knew and i think we knew knew even sooner because some stuff had to be done like the day before but i just remember sitting there and just watching you know one by one the updates and and refreshing and you know you can't i you can't like follow everything but like at this moment it felt like everybody was following the same things and the news just kept getting worse and worse and worse and it was you know tenants being able to form a union yep. like
2: that failed by one vote one vote with a that... lot of people abstaining <laughs> including a lot was... of angelino yep. representatives
1: yes and like like just the crushing like blow to see these things that, and and i have to say i didn't think a lot of these would be a problem to pass no, and either. i'm looking no. back now at myself being like why what didn't happened? i Well, yeah. wait why didn't i play a, b- a bigger role in Mm-hmm. Explaining that we need to like call our representatives and tell them because we didn't think we had to because they're fucking Democrats
2: right like, <laughs>
1: I just didn't think I'd have to do that they have to go through yeah. all of this again
2: but who was operating and trying to get uh, their their opinion heard. By these representatives are the California Apartment Association and the California Realtors. Yep. Who, except in one case, they actually split for the first time. I think it was on 1482, which was the only one that passed. The, the rent gouging that I passed. think the realtors supported that, which made the California Apartment Association, which represents landlords, yeah, pissed at
0: them, which is funny. I, yes. uh, well, we'll get into that in, in, yes. in a second. But it's it it's remarkable. We had so much momentum to like the the... Election that we had in November was a resounding victory for Democrats. Most of the Democrats that are in the Assembly and the Senate don't even face credible threat of any kind of challenge, right? Like, they they are as safe as safe can be. To the point where Republicans are flipping. You have Brian Mainshine and...
2: San Diego now becoming a Democrat exactly. in order to
0: be as safe as the,
2: it, these it, other Democrats
0: exactly and Meinstein actually voted for yes. <laughs> he actually voted for uh, a tenant right to organize
1: wow even and fake Democrats are exactly
0: yeah a newly minted Democrat who was like something like several hundred votes away from getting knocked out of his seat when he was still a Republican voted for a, a tenant right to organize something that. Uh, A large number of longer-term Democrats declined to do. I think the first priority on everybody's list, aside from Gavin Newsom, whose was uh, the uh, universal pre-K, I think has been his first priority uh, from the campaign season. Uh, But for everybody else, the focus has been on housing. We saw so much momentum build for doing something comprehensive that would uh, protect incumbent tenants, that would uh, build new housing supply, and it All fell apart. Like, it, it, this is staggering. I think your branding of this as the, the May massacre is, is completely on point, Alyssa, because it, it is.
1: And I wasn't the only one, mate. Like, Liam Dillon, I think, called it like a bloodbath. Like, uh, there were so many people who were trying to explain just how devastating. Uh, Kim Mike Cutler called it the, the shit show. (laughs) Like, there were so many people just like, you know, know, no, and I think she's, no, maybe she called it shit sandwich. Maybe. Both appropriate.
0: Um, let's, let's talk about a couple of these bills and and what eventually happened to them. Um, so we had at, at the beginning of the session, we had AB 36. This was part of a package called Keep Families Home uh, that was intended to be protection specifically for tenants. Uh, AB 36 would have made changes to the existing Costa-Hawkins law, which places limits on uh, rent control, making it so that rent control cannot be enacted by local governments on buildings built after 1995. Uh, and just
1: that one was really important because of the failure of Prop 10. Mm-hmm. And everybody thought, well, that's OK. Now we can just introduce it in the legislature in this way. We have the supermajority like it'll be fine. This right. was
2: the compromise that a yeah. lot of elected said they wanted yeah. at the time yes. instead of Prop 10. Yes. They said, aren't we all thinking ballot the right place to do yeah.
1: this? Let's do Let's a compromise do bill Let's through the it. legislature. will take care of it.
0: Doesn't even make a vote. Bloom actually tried last year to uh, or like a little bit over a year ago to push forward a repeal to costa hawkins in the legislature that was shot down obviously shelved i think without a vote uh, in committee now this is a partial uh, uh, this is basically a modification to costa hawkins making it so that uh it originally said so that buildings older than 10 years could have rent control applied to them that was amended to be 20 years which disappointed some people but still would have had a substantial effect going forward and that Shelved again, without Shelfed. ever having uh, a vote in the committee. Uh, that actually, I mean, th- that was moved to rules committee, which is a euphemism
2: for uh, taken out to the woodshed basically.
0: <laughs> but Bloom for his part says he still take this for what you want. He says that he thinks that uh, there is potential for this to move forward in the next session. But unlike uh, SB50, which we've talked about a lot, which did proceed out of two committees before yeah. being held in appropriations, this has made no progress. So yeah. it faces an uphill battle to say the least next year. We had AB 53, which was put forward by Reggie Jones-Sawyer of South L.A., that was the one that we talked about a couple months ago that was the uh, so-called ban the box for uh, rental applications. This actually more broadly would have made it so that landlords and homeowners could not discriminate against people who had formerly been incarcerated uh, when they were making a decision to rent out housing, This the box
2: is a box that they make you check on rental applications,
0: saying if you have ever been convicted of a felony. Correct. Yeah. So uh, AB 53 was, I said basically that it was gutted uh, mm-hmm. because the uh, the changes w- that were made make it so that it no longer is a ban the box. It is a uh, you can't use this as an an initial consideration when you're renting out property to somebody, but you can use it as a final consideration save
1: the box for later
0: It is a yes reserve <laughs> reserve the buy like that save the box for later um, it was changed so thoroughly that the intent was actually changed to say that the legislature had no intention to tell homeowners that they couldn't make the determination about whether or not to rent to somebody with an incarceration on their record and Reggie Jones-Sawyer withdrew it. Yeah, sort of a shift in what he... (laughs) (laughs) A little (laughs) bit of a change. So that one went down. AB 1481, this was the just-cause eviction bill we talked about a little bit in the past couple weeks. This one was... Rob Bonta. uh, Rob Bonta out of the East Bay in San Francisco died on the floor. uh, This was going to make it so that there would be protections similar to what LA renters enjoy with the rent stabilization ordinance. It was originally... Uh, not it did not include a sunset, then the sunset was put at 10 years, then it was put at three years and it was there were provisions added so that if you were getting a, uh, a no fault just cause eviction, which is an interesting set of terms, um, <laughs> then you would get some relocation expenses paid. As we said, that died on the floor, even yeah. though it was only going to be in effect for three years. And now instead of just cause, the
2: standard remains... Just (laughs) because that's what landlords can
0: (laughs) evict renters for. 1482, AB 1482, this was the, as you said, Hayes, this was the, basically the only significant renter bill to proceed out of the assembly, and it still faces... What, whatever ragged, like, version of itself did get out. Yeah. Okay, so at 1482 went in similar direction to 1481. Uh, it was originally presented without sunset, then it was put at a sunset of 2030, uh, That now it will sunset in 2023. Uh, they were also... Restrictions put around the housing that it would apply to. So now it doesn't apply to new housing. And also the uh, original uh, rent cap was reduced. So in a number of ways, like you said, this is a very raggedy version of the original proposal, which was to do something uh, similar to what had been done previously in the state of Oregon to prevent these huge uh, rent increases from being presented to uh, to renters. Now what we're seeing is a temporary measure that ha- will have a considerably limited effectiveness. And it is still, I, uh, it had a very difficult path to victory. It yes. squeaked through. Yes. Uh, the last opportunity, it barely got through.
2: The only real bright spot uh, are AB's 68 and 69, uh, which were F- Tank's ADU bills. It seems to be the one permissible form right. of new housing yep. these days. Uh, that like is speeding up even more on a state level the ability to get ADUs approved and get them built. And those are a really valuable yeah. housing resource to get lower-income people into formerly exclusionary neighborhoods. It's and true. To allow- Maybe,
1: though. I mean, this is the thing. Everybody tries to keep, champion championing this solution but like we don't have anything in place really to there are some programs at the county and city level that will give you money if you choose to house someone who a needs formerly to live homeless there person, yes. but there's no you people can just be building these things unless we follow it up with like the Airbnb rules that and to be stronger at the local level yeah. and all these other you know qualifications like people can just be building these to like make their houses more valuable it doesn't we don't even know if the units will be built i guess these are just permits right now in right. a lot of yeah. in a lot of cases
0: Yeah, so I mean, ADUs are, I think, part of the solution, but you're right; they can't be all of it, and that is how our legislators are treating it. Like it is that that is apparently the only common ground right now. Uh, Laura Freeman in District 43, I believe, uh, she also had some bills proceed that had some like sort of liberalization of when to. allow the divorcing of the main house from the ADU that would make it so that you could sell them independently. Those things will like spur home sales, right. so the, the realtors are on board with them. But it's like the, the fact that the California Association of Realtors and the California Apartment Association are apparently holding a gun to the head of all of California and yep. deciding what goes forward and what doesn't is very troubling if housing is your number one issue in the state, uh, which it is. What We also um, mentioned in brief SB 529, that was the tenant right to organize bill uh, that was put forward by uh, Senator Maria Elena Durazo, uh, who of course is a big time labor organizer and put forward this bill that would have originally allowed for tenants to strike basically for better conditions uh, in, their, in their rental living space. Again, this was a bill that was significantly watered down in the legislature before eventually dying on the Senate floor and by one vote, which is just incredible. Like (laughs) we had a comprehensive set of legislations. Again, I I didn't didn't even mention SB50, but just to throw that out there again, that uh, did not proceed. It was Mm -hmm. held in uh, held in appropriations by uh, Senator Portentino. And, um, you know, these are the makings of what the governor said he wanted, which was a comprehensive package. Um, Instead, we got none of it. Almost none of it. And he didn't do a lot of he didn't like, do. Anything. He didn't do anything. He doesn't deserve any credit for any uh, any real yeah. legislative action. I think
2: there was a vague kind of backroom thumbs up to like, I'll sign this if you send it through, but no public pressure no. of any kind. <laughs> there was a Politico story. Well, yeah,
1: there was even that like backroom pressure. I think was fake. Because, was illusionary. Yeah, <laughs> because they, it was like uh, someone. Yeah. I don't know who asked the question, but yeah, his chief of staff was like, oh, he's been going to every single legislator and asking them to push these bills. And they were like, we've never heard from him. Yeah,
0: that was specifically about AB 36, the rolling rent control. Uh, so Newsom's chief of staff said that the, the governor had stated to uh, legislators in the assembly that he wanted AB 36 to proceed. And then... Uh, they apparently heard from everyone in the assembly, like you never called fr- you never called us to say this, and right. uh, it's
1: like it's not, it's like high speed rail. We want it, but we don't really want, and it, want going, it. And, and like, Then as soon oh as it's no. gone, you're like, oh no, we didn't mean that <laughs> that we didn't want it. And then in the midst of all of this, Tony Atkins, who is you know, could have been the one person who could have done something,
2: the leader of the effort
1: SB fifty, and she had proposed a bill that passed. That would give tax credits, expanded tax credits to people who own historic or architecturally significant homes.
0: Tony Atkins, uh, president pro tem of the Senate, comes out really as... The villain of this whole piece, remarkably, mm-hmm. uh, it was you a have, story
1: that people were trying to change the way her Wikipedia entry had been edited to reflect <laughs> that she was, had not killed SB fifty. Her, like her staffers
0: were changing it back. <laughs> yeah, and they just it was like, back, it
1: back and, and forth. forth.
0: Uh, just, which is remarkable because there are a lot of there are a lot of really just not great characters in in what we've discussed. But uh, Tony Atkins pushing tax cuts for homeowners. To not change uh, their historic single family homes as all of these multifamily bills, including one that would allow for actually changing those single family homes into four unit multifamily homes. That is just disgusting. It's her not
2: walking the walk too. Is yeah. like an ostensible progressive. Anthony Portentino is a proud shell for yeah. homeowners. Oh, for sure. There's no shame in that whatsoever. But Tony Atkins, we kind of thought was someone who would to have sell a little it more courage. As like, on this I press. mean,
1: the language of the and I saw there was a letter from like the Pasadena Heritage Foundation uh-huh. or whatever in support. And again, this this squeaked through. I don't remember seeing this. I don't. There was not a lot of discussion about this bill. I feel like I, as someone who writes about like architecture and preservation, would have known about this more didn't really see much out there, which gives you a sense of like who was actually talking about it. You are the
0: president. You are the president of the Senate. You have, you've got the juice to to push forward what you want to. And this is the one. And this This is is the one. one. This is what, this is what she felt most passionate about. You can make a clear contrast to uh, Kevin DeLeon, who was very interested in uh, using his position to push forward some of the most ambitious proposals yep. that came out of the legislature during the past several sessions and that is just that's just staggering to me that yeah. we get Tax cuts for homeowners,
1: and and the and the argument too is what I was going, going to say about that letter from the Pasadena, whoever they are, they it was like this is an economic driver and can help create stronger, sustainable communities. I was just, she read what? that out loud. It's yes. an
2: economic driver for yes. the people in that organization. It was like I'm it's sure. proven
1: that preserving historic buildings because that's like Pasadena's argument. Like they revived old Pasadena and made uh-huh. it, you know, this like you know. Cheesecake Factory. Day. Yeah, there's like a pottery <laughs> world, <laughs> but um, th- I that I just was like hearing her uh, say those words, and I was like, that could have been words that you said about like one of these other right. bills, like helping people, <laughs> but they were being used to preserve your craftsman bungalow. Oh yeah. my
2: god! <laughs> to hear even more about this, listen to "Give Me Shelter," the California Housing Crisis podcast, where they really got in uh, detail on the May massacre with uh, Liam Dillon and uh, Matt Levin, friends of the podcast. Let's zoom in. From all the housing in the state to one building. This is a 22-story building on Sunset and Gordon in Hollywood. This is one of the most fraught buildings in the entire city. Uh, And it was in the news again this week. Can we can we just cue
0: up the the Godfather theme?
2: <laughs> As we're talking about this. <laughs> so let's wait, let's wait on the Godfather. Okay. Theme. Because right now this is just a building okay. like kind of this minding just a building. minding its own business for a little <laughs> while. Okay. okay. This is a high rise that was approved eleven years ago in two thousand eight. And then it got sued by everyone, various neighborhood groups in Hollywood. And then a developer called CIM bought it in 2012, and they started actually building it, uh, and they started filling it with tenants. And then they get sued by this guy, Doug Haynes, who has, like, notches on his belt from uh, big buildings around Hollywood that he has killed. He is the leader of the La Mirada Homeowners Association. Is that that what his group is called? Which could have multiple members. It could just be. He's the only member that I ever hear about. It has one member. Okay, it has exactly one member. Yes. <laughs> so he, the, the the Target Husk is his. Great, uh, his the, yes, but he has a body count. Coming back these, from the dead, by the way. <laughs> target Husk it. is being revived. The Target Husk is coming back.
1: Construction is on.
2: But the, so the some judges ruled in favor of Doug Haynes that said that whatever, the, the building didn't have the right environmental permits and was too high for the neighborhood and all these different things. So tenants were evicted. Uh Well,
1: the reason that they finally got the people out is because they claimed that they improperly dismantled an old spaghetti factory. The old spaghetti spaghetti factory. What happened to
2: all the old spaghetti jobs and that we used to have in the city? We used to have a a real spaghetti baby (laughs) factory. I mean, I don't know. Do you
1: think that he really thought that old spaghetti factory was old? and not like a chain restaurant. The way to think
0: about Doug Haynes is he is like Kevin Spacey in Seven. Like he's just punishing local officials for their sins, basically. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, yeah, so he went and made sure that all the people who were living in this Sunset Gordon Tower were going to be thrown out
1: on
2: the street. And it's like 300 units or something. It was a ton of people. They were evicted in 2015. Now CIM has come up with a compromise that got... Past a judge where they are building a new spaghetti factory that is built. Oh, my it's God. It's this dumb fake facade along oh, yeah, the sunset. Yeah. A
1: new old spaghetti factory facade in the spirit of in the, spirit the of- original old spaghetti <laughs>
2: factory. And so they're getting ready to That's open again. Oh, and there's a park behind it that is fully walled off that wow. is closed to the public because of this lawsuit. They're getting ready to open again. It's absurd. But enter a new interested party, Michael Weinstein and the AIDS Healthcare Foundation. They they see this building. It's a nice looking building. <laughs> he can
1: see it from his office. It's yeah. really close. It's oh, twenty-two
2: God. stories. Uh, it'd be a shame if anything happened to him. <laughs> <laughs> they have been suing this building over uh-huh. the last a couple years. Uh, and trying to get it not to be built, but they say, hey, we've got a. Uh, why don't we strike a deal? Let's yeah. stop all this all this fighting. Let's Nobody uh, wants a war, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Everybody likes spaghetti. Our <laughs>
2: families, you know, let's let's find a solution here. <laughs> Why don't you sell us your building yep. for $50 million? And then the lawsuit just, just goes <laughs> away.
0: Michael Weinstein is saying, what is he saying? He's saying that they can either make their building 100% truly affordable housing. Yes. Or they can sell it to... Uh, the coalition to preserve LA, which or, is a subsidiary of the AIDS Healthcare Fund, and then they will turn it into uh, they will turn it into low income oh, that's housing, the other with thing. thousand units, right? Which right. Are like so four times as many as yeah. It you said has.
1: There, it's some or 300 units. and within that 300 breakdown, there already are a lot of inclusionary. Um, there's a, a ratio of everything they had to present if to there's them something as far like, as there's workforce housing, there's, there's very, very low, low income, income, there's mm-hmm. all these different. Um, you know, just a, it's going to be a very mixed-income building when it comes down to it. It's going to be a lot of these units are going to be set aside, but they said that's not good enough, and they're going to carve up these units, which aren't that big to begin with. Yes, they're, to, they're to <laughs> to on be, the smaller side to become to house like three people where like one or two people might have lived. Which right. I don't. What's the cost of that to go into a building that's completed?
2: Oh, it'd be substantial. And, and, extra. And extra uh, it's a cost of a bunk in. bed. It'd
0: be, it'd be, it'd be substantial <laughs> and and uh. In addition, you would also have the uh, the difficulties with actually making it code uh, code right. up to code yeah. to have a
2: thousand. I think you were saying Doug Haynes might have some feelings about putting a thousand units in that a building, building instead
1: of 300. Yeah, exactly. That would probably, everyone would get so mad. Well, where are they going to park? There's not enough parking spaces for they would have, they would these have imagined, imagined to add, people. Yeah, they yeah. would have to
0: add parking spaces. But the, I want to know, like. Why? Who is constantly gassing up Michael Weinstein that he can do these things? Because, like... Got to spend that money. He's got so much money. Doug Haynes personally has way more wins in his win column than Michael Weinstein does. That's true. He never wins these things, and he's coming out with this incredible, like marlon brando impersonating ultimatum that he is delivering And the building them. is
1: also it's not for sale we didn't even they said, really it, mention it, it might that, or might not it's yeah, not officially not for officially sale. For there for sale. Rumors but that i just love is, the idea yeah. of just going through the city and being like that building's too tall and too expensive i'm gonna buy it I, I, yeah, buy i'm gonna it out sue from it until you. it is yeah. devalued until enough until you move everybody you, out and, and then it. i'm gonna buy it you're gonna
0: sell this building which Corleone son is michael weinstein He's not a Michael. He's either a Sonny or a Fredo. uh,
2: Well, no, there are Michael vibes that him being like the good son for a while when he started out doing like, you know, not wanting to do this kind of thing. And now like doing just like straight up extortion because here like... I think he's a Sonny all the way, personally. Okay. (laughs) This is the thing about this bill. Like if he managed to turn it into a thousand units of extremely low income housing, that is... Great, as mm-hmm. far as I'm concerned. Even like the shared bathroom thing, it's similar to what he did at like the King King Eddie, the King Edward Building, and um, Skid Row. He's doing a lot of these like building conversions.
1: There's a motel also in Hollywood that similar yes. thing. Yeah. the
2: The important point about this is fifty million dollars for this building is. It, it, it less is the, the less than the construction cost. Yes. substantial. It is an extortionary uh, price. Yeah. What, what could it get? A 22-story building with 300 units in Hollywood? A hundred? Uh, oh, assuming that the hurdle of allowing people to move in is cleared? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. So it's half of what this building is worth. Right. And it sort of undercuts a lot of their arguments about neighborhood character and <laughs> like. <laughs>
1: well that's the other thing that's just so crazy like if you don't want tall buildings in Hollywood which is the original argument against all of this right Um, they don't want a lot of people living in dense environments that's also been an argument of theirs mm-hmm. like the, the yeah. health thing is not really you know we don't want these like yeah. squalid unless, you know Unless
2: they own this incredibly valuable yeah. I- investment And property. not
1: building tall things near transit is also a big problem dense yes. developments near transit these are all this is all those things checks all those boxes do we know
0: like what the final percentage is for below market rate housing in there in the d- deal that cim made I can i'm look sure it up. yeah because I, what i think that we're looking at as as the two options here are uh either the coalition to preserve la sues the sunset gordon building um into oblivion and it is actually destroyed, in which case you get no below market rate housing, which seems like an outcome that before, or the uh, AIDS healthcare foundation is totally fine with mm-hmm. as usual. Um, or you are successful and you get this building, but then you are not actually able to fulfill what you're saying you're going to do with it. Either way, it seems like uh, their first goal is not to actually improve the situation or they would be more or less okay with this building just existing. I don't, I don't So there
1: would be 50 units out of 299 that would be set aside for not market rate.
0: Right. Okay. That's combination a, of combination one-sixth.
1: of low workforce. very low income workforce and moderate income. And that's pretty typical I feel like for these types of inclusionary zoning requirements. I mean they're I think they might even be going a little bit beyond what would be, yep. be required.
2: Uh, AHF was busy on the state front as well. So it's the California uh, Democrats convention or whatever uh, this this week. They need to find somebody to replace Eric Bauman. uh, Oh, that's right. He was like pinching and uh, like squeezing everyone on his staff. Exactly. Sexually harassing (laughs) tons of people. And um, he was replaced. This is the leader of the California Democrats. He was replaced by Rusty Hicks, an extremely powerful labor guy from Los Angeles. Uh, But more to the point, AHF was unveiling its new ballot measure to replace uh, Prop 10, which failed last year. Uh, And that is happening today, Sunday, as we're recording this. They're going to unveil it. And what are the terms of this new measure? So
1: they're handing out these flyers for the Rental Affordability Act. And I got to say, the logo looks just like the Coalition to Preserve L.A. logo. It has a hand (laughs) holding a single family home in it. So I just want to point that out. First. Oh God! Um, and
0: <laughs> that it, is a terrible logo. Then too. It
1: says, <laughs> so, um, same, similar to prop the Prop Ten, you know, guidelines of, or what? Similar to Prop Ten, um, cities could expand rent control in these ways. It would exempt new buildings for 15 years.
2: That's rolling rent control. So yep. that, yeah. so that's a a more moderate version. Yes. of Prop Ten, which was a full. Propeal. Full Full repeal, yeah. Yeah.
1: Exempt people who own one or two houses. So that means, I guess, if you just own one property and renting it out to people, you wouldn't have to do this. okay. It's like for the people who are like their businesses being landlords.
2: It's going after like Blackstone, like the the huge single family home.
1: And allows a 15% rent increase between tenants every three years.
2: Okay, so instead of what we have now, which is vacancy decontrol, and anytime there's a new tenant... You can jack up the price as much as you want. This is saying you can only raise the rent by fifteen percent every every three every years, three years right. once there's a new tenant. Yes, uh,
0: this bill sounds totally good to me. Sounds good to me too. Um, I do kind of. I'm I'm kind of interested in how. Again, I think the the thing that we always talked about with Prop Ten is that it was hard to get voters on board with the idea of not actually doing something right. but enabling something to happen at the local level. So this actually sets standards across the state or what we're saying is still the local legislatures would be responsible for making those changes once this passes.
1: Yeah. I mean, th- there's not a whole lot more. I mean, I'm just looking this, at a flyer, but yeah. yeah it I sounds mean, like
0: this would not make those changes. It's
2: uh, Cities would be allowed mm-hmm. to make these changes. Yeah, once It would it allow passes.
1: cities and counties to enact or expand rent control on rental units within limits. Okay. so, yeah, that's that's all it says.
0: Sounds good. Still seems more positive. Yeah. Than what we worked with last time.
2: And in the past, I've kind of thought and still think that going through a state ballot measure is not the most effective way to get something like this. Passed and that was borne out last year, but looks like the, going through the state legislature is not <laughs> well, super effective. Either, there were, so, there right. were
1: some, there were some criticisms of A.H.F. and its many subsidiaries about why they were so so loud about SB fifty and so quiet on so many other rental protections, and it just seems like this agenda, which is a seemingly good agenda, it can only be like their way. They don't want to support really much of the other bills that are going through.
0: You don't really need to dig too deep into the psychology of their logo of a single white hand holding a single white house.
1: (laughs) The house is blue. Oh,
0: sorry. Yeah,
1: just.
0: (laughs) And
2: this, I assume, would fall under uh, housing as a human right, which is their tenant protection. That is the logo that's on top of it. Yes. Yeah.
1: uh, I should have clarified that part.
2: Yes. uh, more housing news than the first HHH building after two plus years, right. two and a half years,
1: 933
2: days, 933 Whoa. days uh, ago. I did that math. It's okay. not that
1: hard because there's all these calculators that tell you how long it's been since Trump was elected. So it's really easy to <laughs> find the dates.
2: The same day Trump was <laughs> elected, we allocated a billion dollars to, to build uh, housing for people who are homeless. Uh, this is supportive housing with on-site care and all this great stuff. The initial amount of units that we were supposed to be able to build was 10,000. That has been reduced to about 6,000 in the latest count. And until this week, it has been zero yep. actual units. Uh, but now a building is open. What is uh, Talk about this first HHH building.
1: This is in Sun Valley, it's a $52 million campus uh, for built through LA Family Housing, and it is meant to have 49 permanent residents and 250-person bridge housing facility. So a bunch of beds for people to stay in, services mm-hmm. and uh, resources. And then also uh, 12 families will be able to stay in permanent or semi-permanent situations in the bridge in housing addition facility. To, in
2: the bridge in house addition facility. to
1: those. Yeah. Okay. yeah.
2: So this counts as, I guess, Nuri Martinez's a bridge home project. Correct. Right?
1: Yes. And I this- guess technically. I didn't, I guess, yeah, I guess it's, they lumped it all into one for this situation. But yeah, I don't know.
2: You did some math, and uh, it, it was it was in that same article about the May massacre, right, Alyssa? Yes. Uh, about the pace that we're on in terms of. <laughs> I mean,
1: I'm not. I hope it is correct, but there's different ways of calculating yeah. how people fall in and out of homelessness, and I didn't yeah. mean to make it like there are people that study every month, like how many people are falling out of homelessness, uh, falling into homelessness, um, like within the county. It's like ten thousand people are tinkering, you know, tinkering, 10,000 people are teetering on the edge. And can you can if you fall right out of housing um, in the county, it's sometimes very easy to get back in. There's rapid rehousing. There's all these ways to make sure that, you know, people can get back into housing, which is a priority and should be a priority. But then if you just look at the math. So they said that they're going to we haven't gotten our homelessness numbers out yet, even though they were supposed to be released this week, which maybe they just didn't want to add more bad news to our. Um, situation in the yeah. last week in May. Apparently, they will be coming out tomorrow after this airs. It'll be June fourth, is the word. When our, we finally get our numbers, we we know the numbers went down slightly last year, and and but we still
0: we said it was pretty much leveling.
1: And now they're saying um, we haven't. We don't know the number yet, but the mayor kind of teased it and said expect a double digit increase. So just by the most yeah. conservative double digit increase, that would mean I, I was just you know just using those numbers and. Again, there's people that measure this and they do a very good job of tracking these. things. But that would just mean like every day, 10 more people become homeless in the city of Los Angeles over the last year.
0: I asked a a source who was involved in past counts and uh, their response to me. They just sent me back the little emoji of the stock thing going up, up, up several times. So, yeah. So we are the numbers were supposed to be out by the end of May.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure it. what the delay is because almost every Doesn't other city mean good news, in I the tell you that state much. has released their numbers.
2: Which are also universally hard. And I
1: also have to say, I was looking at the, uh, LASA put out a, a report or like a, a May 31st release with like a report on a bunch of other things. And one of the things it says on there is the homelessness count figures come out too late in the year for us to plan accurately for, for what we're budget. doing. Oh, yeah, God. which is, It just seems like we're just failing at at even knowing the number, you know,
0: cascading failure.
2: I saw an interesting uh, thread. I don't know if you saw this from uh, Mark Vallonados who works on abundant housing stuff in the city uh, about how homelessness. So eviction is a huge problem in lots of uh, Midwest cities, Rust Belt cities that are kind of in decline, like Detroit, Milwaukee, places like that. there's that book um, Evicted by Matthew Desmond that tracks Milwaukee Mm -hmm. about how big eviction is there. But homelessness is not the issue there that it is in our cities, not uh-huh. even close. Right. Because if you read evicted, it's pretty striking how families get evicted from their homes, but they end up in another place. There's like, there's like an adequate supply of places that people can just kind of move into. Being evicted in LA is homelessness or you leave or right. you go to one of these or other you places. you your car. Yes, Exactly. So here, I mean, it's just so fundamentally connected to the stuff we were talking about on the state level, such a huge part of what has to be done here is yes, like keeping tenants protected, but also giving them places to go. And we're not keeping up even close with the speed of HHH housing.
1: Another statistic that in my, the story that I found was, and was reported, you know, many times is at any time there's 600,000 LA County residents that spend 90% of their income on rent. Yeah. 90%. So that's, the next
0: year's,
1: (laughs) next year's count, like look for these names, you know?
0: I I mean, so yeah, even, even, even beyond the, the failures that are clearly happening at a policy level locally, I I do think that like there's an entire part of the analysis of homelessness in in LA and in uh, urban California in general that I think gets, Talked about less than it should, which is that for a long time, I think we've relied basically on the relationship between criminality and homelessness to keep a lot of people off of the street. Like we have like mm-hmm. criminalized homelessness to the extent that people shuffle back and forth between living on the street and being in Men's Central Jail, or that people getting released from Men's Central Jail go straight into homelessness upon completion of their sentence. Um, I, I think that, that when you talk about like the, the eviction uh, rates in a place like Minneapolis, for example, I do think that we also have to take into account the fact that California's penal system has been extremely broken for decades. And our policies have, as we've tried to at least, sort of moderate our criminal justice system. We have not done anywhere near what we will need to do in order to provide for people coming back into society. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what and what an issue that is in like the Midwest, but I know that in California, with our uh, our large um, pluralist society, that is really more comparable to uh, to a country uh, than to any other state in the. In the union we just like we do not operate that way when it comes to housing we don't treat housing like it is this sort of like national crisis mm-hmm. which it is yeah uh, another thing in evicted that uh,
2: is striking compared to here is that in milwaukee if you get section 8 benefits l- landlords are lining up to to take you because the property is so devalued there it's not an ideal situation that uh, so many people are leaving that there's so many spaces available that you'll often get more money from someone with Section 8, you can charge, like, whatever, $800 a month, which is more than you'd be able to charge otherwise. Here, if you get Section 8, it often will just lapse because you can't find a place to take it because landlords won't take Section 8 tenants, or you can fully relocate out to Sun Valley or to Lancaster or wherever it has places available. Uh, They're also related this week to the homelessness issue. Uh, There's a there's new policy in terms of the possessions that people who are homeless can uh, keep on them. Back in 2016, uh, there was a policy imposed by the city that basically allowed people who are homeless uh, to keep whatever of their belongings could fit in a garbage bag, a big 60 gallon bag. Uh, And the city only had to give 24 hour notice for cleanups. Uh, And it had to store their item somewhere. There was a lawsuit uh, filed against the city and the city council agreed this week to settle the lawsuit uh, and it changes the property that people are allowed to, to keep on the street,
1: but only in a very small area. Yeah, it's like the um, yeah, you would call it like the central city, the central core of the of downtown, basically. Right. Yeah.
2: Yes. This is relevant to some columns that Steve Lopez has been writing over the past few weeks that have been really good. He's been in Skid Row basically documenting right. what he's been seeing down there and the incredible trash problem and all the rats that are down there. And he's basically saying that a lot of people think that it's the uh, population of people who are homeless that are creating most of the trash. But he says you only have to spend uh, like 10 minutes down there Mm -hmm. and you see big pickup trucks come in with bags full of trash that just dump them all over the (laughs) street. Yeah, there was
1: one bag he said that opened up and it was filled with like produce and like the produce district is a few blocks away. So it's very clear. It's not it's not necessarily a problem of people who are living on the street. This is
0: like a problem that you would think of when you would think of like an early 20th century urban environment not an early 20th 20th century like feels like uh, the plague era just like yeah yeah no but just like the wanton dumping uh, and creation of such a health hazard seems like it would be something unfathomable in a city with a relatively high standard of living in a developed country where there are like public health agencies that conceivably should be responsible with enforcing things to make sure this doesn't happen. Um, this is it's like a total state of lawlessness. And yeah.
1: let's also mention, first of all, that story didn't talk anything about 311, which I think of course this is how you he said he like called council districts and told them to clean it up and they're like, oh, we didn't know Nobody ever talked about using 311, which is actually the best way to do it and faster and will guarantee a faster response. But I also think that something about 311 is fundamentally broken because if if you report something and there's trash right next to it, I've done this many times. I've reported like a couch or something like that or, you know, some broken, mm-hmm. you know, debris on the on the ground. And they will come pick it up. And even though there's trash, new trash or something else right next to it, they will not pick that up if it is right there. Right. Because yeah. they will only pick up what, what was you, reported. Yeah,
0: what, what you reported. And
1: there is something wrong when you have people who are out here serving our streets and taking care of all the many things. And I know there's a lot more that probably the typical sanitation worker has to do in, in today's Los Angeles but that, you, that wouldn't be the policy. Mm-hmm. And it's the way that potholes are fixed. Because I've talked to the city about how they've been able to fix potholes so quickly. When they fix a pothole, they look around... And they also use the 3 one data to, to re-query and be like, oh, did anything else get reported so we can go ahead and fix that while we're here? Yeah. And our trash doesn't work the same way. Right. And that is very puzzling. And also the city paid, this huge, paid for this huge program called the CleanStat mm-hmm. program where an algorithm was supposed to determine where the dirtiest streets yeah. were and keep them clean year after year. We haven't heard very much of that since it was launched in 2016, but it keeps getting money out of the mayor's budget. I don't believe that that it's been
0: updated in about a year now. Yeah,
1: So I don't even know. We we are supposedly have an algorithm that tells us where the trash is. And we have this very robust 311 system that a lot of people are using, but it's not working if we're not having the human people (laughs) actually (sighs) who are viewing a broken, you know, sofa sectional that is blocking the sidewalk that would actually pick it up when they came to pick something else up.
0: There's your jobs guarantee. Yeah. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, he does mention in the in the story the Chrysalis Foundation, which is great, mm-hmm. which does um, give people jobs who are in supportive housing and who have you know other challenges um, related to being on Skid Row, and it's been very successful in giving people you know this this jobs this Green New Deal type jobs which would get people to help you yeah know, pick up pick up trash and plant trees all these other things. It's a good model. And
2: there's a black market version of it that he talks about going on on Skid Row where business owners will pay yeah, people who are living people. on the streets to yeah. sweep out, to clean up the area. Yeah. So ar- we don't need an businesses. algorithm. Maybe we yes. just
1: need to create some jobs for. People
2: Relevant to this, can I plug something? Uh, the group that I work with, SELA in Silver Lake, Echo Park, Los Feliz, Atwater, and Hollywood, the sort of neighborhood homeless coalition, for the past few weeks has been doing these uh, what we call Saturday suppers, uh, where at the Silver Lake Community Church we're doing showers and a hot meal and yoga, which uh, allowed us to get uh, a mental health grant, but has been very popular, uh, and free clothes and all this stuff. But we're doing a fundraiser to finance this ongoing program it's at the friend on June 20th it's 50 bucks free triple mm-hmm. free triple bean pizza oh open bar they're not free because you have to pay 50 bucks to get it. complimentary uh, yes complimentary uh, and you can buy tickets it's at the it's the pinned tweet on the Sela account at Sela NHC uh, and I'm gonna be posting about it for the next few days and this, these
1: are the kind of things that we now have community groups forming to do. Because we have not seen, we know there's great outreach work that's being done, and we know that there's people across the city that are, you know, doing things out of the city-funded Measure H and whatever. But like you guys had to do this because you asked repeatedly for more services to be added in your neighborhoods, and the response and wasn't fast enough. It. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's
0: great because, uh, you know, Sila is showing that this kind of thing can be done, which has the knock-on effect of showing what our government is not doing that they could be doing. Right. So, and that neighbors want it. That people that living yeah, in people these areas. When you demand positive, something right. like
1: this that you should have, great, we're going to set up this in your neighborhood in two weeks. Like we have this yep. all ready to go. Like a you know shower yoga. <laughs> yeah. And know, if you want it package and, deal. If you yeah. live in
2: a different neighborhood and you want this, we're getting a shower truck and we are going to be able to drive it all around. So That's we can awesome. so so we great. can do this program in other places. And the best thing about it is there's a caseworker on site. So, in a lot of cases, it's like yeah. people who almost don't know where to go right. to get uh, case management. And so, there's going to be a person there who's going to say, Hey, do you need help getting an ID? Do you need to help entering the housing system? Whatever. So, it's like a, a good way to get people off the streets. So, come to this fundraiser. It is going to be, we're it the Friend Raiser. Isn't that cute? It's at the Friend. Because uh, it's
1: at the Friend.
2: And you can learn a little more about what we're doing. That was LA Podcast. Hopefully we'll have a better week next week when we'll be back. Thanks for listening. Bye.
1: LA really Podcast. Really
0: podcast, really podcast gonna